The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Monday, September 25th, 2017, season 13, episode number 44. Welcome to another edition of The Break, live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. And this is going to be a delirious hour of Cowboys football because not only do we have a lot to talk about, but we are all delirious because we don't we haven't slept much. How's everybody doing today? Hello, I'm great, Derek. Good. Told me wow. to bring the energy, so yes. I'm bringing the energy. Bring the energy. Got Nick, two and a half up? hours of sleep. I'm ready to go. Do some radio. There I mean, we go, Nick. We're, I mean, we're we're for the people here. I mean, think about <laughs> we're it. For the people. I mean, the, look at the. You know, not only do we got different groups that we represent here, but we're oh. also. I mean, we got the we got the sport coat. We got the polo. We got we got a hoodie tank top. We got a hoodie. Relax. Yeah, I mean, we all, it's all over the place. Relax. Oh, the relax. The okay. relax. Relax. I thought she said the blacks. I was like, yeah, well, yeah. Kinda, yeah, for we the people, have one. Got I mean, one of those two. <laughs> I don't know about the blacks, but yeah, we got one. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's get into this. We got a lot to talk about. Cowboys win yesterday, twenty eight seventeen, and um, it was, I think, a sorely needed win coming out of what happened against Denver. Although it may have started off a little bit shaky and, and a little bit like, oh, here we go again. You don't they ride say. It the <laughs> they ride it. The sh- <laughs> Here we go again. They ride it the ship and uh, and actually got onto a roll there. But what I don't do is that there were so many different storylines coming out of yesterday. I want to take some time first to go around the table, and I want everybody to start by giving me one thing that stood out to you the most from yesterday, uh, whether that's pregame, whether that was in game. What what stood out the most to you? We'll start with you, Nick. Well, I mean, what, it, it, there's a couple things I don't want to steal anyone's stuff, but you know, it, it is unfortunate. It's unfortunate that people just don't see what's what's really going on. You know, the the fact that 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 what the Cowboys did, what they did before the game, um, that that people are losing sight on that. They see the kneel and they think that they were kneeling for the national anthem, and they that they didn't see what they really did. And if, whether you're watching it at a sports bar or whatever and you didn't hear it, but it's on, it's your fault. If you're going to get on social media and you attack people and say that you know, can't believe the Cowboys did this, get your facts straight on what they did and why they did it before you, you speak that. And that that's unfortunate because they put a lot of thought, thought that, that actually um, took into their preparation. I mean, let's not forget, 48 hours before a game, you're thinking about what you're going to do pregame because it's that important, and they went out and delivered it. No wonder they didn't play well to start the, start the game. But but they put a lot of thought into it. Find out what they did and why they did it before they get get judged for it. They were the best team in the league uh, this weekend at what they did. And they have to because you're America's team, and they acted like it. Amber? No, uh, I mean, I'm absolutely impressed by the way they handled this situation. And I know they have been struggling with what they were going to do about this fact and how they were going to go about it. And I'm just absolutely proud to see the outcome of this because not only did they go by respecting the flag and the national anthem and all that, but they also took a stand and stood side by side with those players that did want to protest, you know? So it was good to see them all united because I'm sure there were several, there are players that may not want to do that, but they still did it. But at the same time, respecting the anthem and kind of 
keeping the two things separate and not letting the whole presidential and politics kind of talk bad about this flag and the honor that it is to be an American. So I, I loved what they did here. Dave. I guess I'm just stuck with football then. I feel <laughs> we'll, we'll talk football. Well, no, but we'll feel, feel free to let, let's change that then. Since we kind of started on that, why don't you just give your give us your opinion of the pregame, and then we'll get into some of the football stuff. Um, <clears throat> leave it to leave it to Jerry Jones to come up with a way to kind of satisfy everybody and kind of think outside the box, even with all the different. Um, even with all the different demonstrations you saw around the league on Sunday, he came up with something that clearly nobody else had thought of where you were able to kind of speak your mind uh, about the issue that started this whole thing while still um, honoring the, the national anthem and the American flag, which is something that Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett have both repeatedly expressed as something that they value a lot, something the Cowboys organization values a lot. Uh, so they were basically – I mean, they were kind of able to have their cake and eat it, too, because they made a, a really powerful statement. I mean, you saw a lot of NFL owners uh, take part in these demonstrations over the weekend. You didn't see any of them kneel with their team uh, in this you know, moment of solidarity before kickoff. Uh, and then they were still able to you know, adhere to their core values about the flag and the anthem and, and everything that it stands for. I thought, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Jason Garrett had um, – a pretty striking quote last night about how, you know, the flag represents 250 years of, of struggle and the ideals of, of, you know, the American democracy. You can go find it on my Twitter timeline if you really want to read it. But, um, but you know, they basically didn't have to compromise on any of that stuff while still making a statement. And um, it, it was impressive that they were able to come up with kind of a, a workaround like that. Yeah, I thought, um, I thought there were some pretty important things that happened as a part of that. I think one of them was that, um, and Jerry talked a little bit about this after the game. I think, um, I, I think they were able to, and I'm not quite certain yet. I think time will tell, but I think they were able to um, kind of change the narrative a little bit. I was uncomfortable, and I, Dave, you and I had this conversation. I think both of us were a little bit uncomfortable with how it seems like over the last over the last several days, the narrative of of what all the protest was originally about had changed. Um, and the narrative had had taken more of a tone of either um, that that it was somehow a a, a, a something that that was um, that was harmful to to the flag and and represented something that was not respectful of the flag. Um, it had taken on a whole Trump thing because it, it kind of got boosted up to another level because of his comments. I think that in this way, what it did was kind of disarmed those things and said, okay, well, if the flag is the issue that so many people have, let's take that part out. Like, let's remove that part from the discussion. And then let's, let's now kind of point back to equality, and which the original issue was the fact that there were, there were people that, that Colin Kaepernick felt like, and specifically there were African-American people that he felt like were not being treated justly. For a lot, in a lot of different areas, and that was his original protest, and it got bastardized because of all these other things. And so I like the fact that the way the Cowboys did it kind of disarmed that and moved back away from that. Now, did it do enough? I don't know. Is it is it going to really create more of a conversation to where people are really talking more about these issues um, and willing to not just talk, because we all do a good job of talking, yeah. but listen and hear what other people are saying 
so that we all can kind of learn from one another and and improve the conversation, improve the dialogue so that we get better as a country. Like that's still to be seen. But I do like the fact that it changed the narrative back, hopefully, to kind of what it should have been. Do you think it did? I don't know. That's why I said I think that's- this is time will tell. I hope so, because I, I think it did disarm, at least for the people that were not being able to see the issue because of the method. This takes the method out of the out of the out of the equation. And now let's see if they can really hear the issue and deal with the issue. To to Mr. Eatman's point, though, um, there appear to still be a lot of people that are pretty mad about it. Just be for I mean, on, in my personal opinion, for no reason other than that, they want to be mad. And that may also tell you that at least for some of those people, I think some of it is misinformation. But I, maybe for some of those people, it may tell you that they weren't as upset as they said about the method. Yeah. They yeah. were more upset with the idea that these multimillionaire black athletes are taking a stand for something that's not about them. It's about somebody else and and they have a problem with that fundamentally. That's well, that's kind of where I sorry, but that I, I worry about that aspect of it. You know, Derek and I we, we've known each other for about, I don't know, eighteen, nineteen years. Something like that. And uh probably had one of the more deeper conversations we've ever had a few hours ago and you expressed some some things you know and i don't know if you want to get into it here but but you kind of gave your stance on some on some things um that i thought were really um they were deep you know and and you're talking about what taking a stance will do because because what i talked about it in in my column and i and i was real careful with it because i'm like i feel like my platform is to talk about the Cowboys. We cover the team. We're here, you know. My platform to talk about my opinion, you know, the guys that are listening listening right now, their opinion matters just as much because this isn't about football. This is about what your stance is. So I got, I'm all careful to kind of almost abuse my platform. And I kind of talked about are the players going down that road too a little bit? And if – if you well, don't I mind, mean, if you don't mind sharing on some of the things that you said, because it it really opened my eyes to the situation a little bit more. I I, I guess the point of it for me, and I I really kind of came to this as I was thinking about this over the weekend. I I kind of came to this. I don't know if you want to call it an epiphany or not, but um, I live for those that don't know me. I live a pretty comfortable life. Um, I have a job as a pretty high in a pretty high profile brand. I manage a lot of people. Uh, my wife's an attorney kid goes to private school. Like there's a lot of things about my life that suggests that I don't have to worry about a lot of things. Right. And, um, when I think about that in the context of these players, I'm nowhere near where those players are from financial standpoint or, uh, you know, whatever level of success they've reached versus the level of success that I've reached, but I live a comfortable life. And when you start thinking about it from that perspective, I, I look at, I look at just a generation ago, and there were a ton of people who had money and privilege and wealth and success, people like Muhammad Ali, um, people like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, people like Bill Russell, um, people that, and that doesn't even get into some of the other people that we know, like Dr. King and people like that, but people that were willing to do things that could affect them that they'd have to pay a price for but doing it for the greater good, not for themselves, not because they were going to get in, because they already had success. They already had fame and wealth and, and the whole nine. They were doing it because they saw a lot of other people who needed someone 
with a platform to be able to speak on their behalf. And it would be hypocritical of me at this point where I am um, to now scoff at how these athletes are choosing to use that platform. And Nick, when you talked about the platform and using the platform, I think that it, but for that platform and but for those guys like Muhammad Ali and, and those others being willing to use their platform to speak out, I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in. It's very hard to believe that I would be in a position, judging from where people like me were in the 1960s and 70s in this country, that I'd be in a position where I'm managing, you know, it, let's be blunt, where I'm managing people who are white. Like, right. that would not be happening, right? And so it would be very, very hypocritical of me now to say, hey, these guys have a platform, but they should not use that platform in order to speak on behalf of people who don't have that platform and don't have the ability to be able to speak for themselves to where people will listen and hear what they have to say. So I, I applaud people being willing to take a stand for what they believe in. Sometimes there are gonna be a, there's going to be a penalty that has to be paid for that. But just as those guys a generation ago and two generations ago have done, I applaud them for doing that. And I respect the fact that the Cowboys were willing to find a way where in a room of 53 men, they could find something that was a compromise that they all could agree on that allowed some to protest in certain ways and, like you said, Dave, others to hold true to whatever core values they had. It's, you know what, I mean, very well said. And, and I think that it's really hard for people to, to try to get into other people's shoes and to say what they're dealing with. And I've said this to you before. I've said this, you know, when I've been pulled over in my life, it's because I was speeding. That's why. That's why I got pulled over, or maybe I didn't have my signal on or seatbelt or whatever. That you probably can't say the same thing. No. And and and, and there's something that's something I don't go through, and I know that, and I try to the best I can to kind of give my views, but not knowing what your views are and your stance and stuff like that. And I think if more people would do that, and and, and quit saying, "Well, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that." Well, you don't really know. You don't really know what that's like. And so, and I know I don't. I don't. I don't think you can. Empathy and perspective are like just I, – I genuinely believe those are two of the most important things. And it's funny that Derek just said that, and it was so eloquent. I've been thinking about the same thing from the opposite side of the spectrum all weekend, which is that I can't really relate to that at all. You know, like I am the uh, I am the poster boy for the term white privilege that you hear thrown around so much. You know, I mean, middle-class white guy, nuclear family – uh, I, I went to private school. I didn't have to worry. I mean, I knew I was going to college from the time I was old enough to know what college was. You know, that type of – yeah, I don't have to worry about what the cops are going to do to me. I've never been afraid of a police officer in that sense, you know, um, or anything like that. Uh, but I can still empathize with people who come from that and look at that and say, you know, there are some realities in this world that, that I can't comprehend, but I still understand that they are issues. And just because I can't relate to them doesn't mean they're not real things. Uh, it's not something you have to get angry about. Um, and, and to your point, an NFL locker room or any locker room is a great place to kind of see that. I was thinking about that last night when I was talking to all these guys. I mean, uh, you know, your, your Ezekiel Elliott's, your Demarcus Lawrence's, your Des Bryant. I mean, who comes from a rougher background than Des Bryant? Coming together with a guy like Sean Lee, who's a white dude from Western Pennsylvania, you know, Mr. All American, you know, all high school basketball. And, uh, and Jason Witten, and they come together and kind of, you know, decide on this solution 
that that they can all agree on that that makes them all feel like they're they're part of something they're they're being true to who they are and what they want to do uh, and they made it all work between 63 dudes and or 53 players and two dozen other you know staffers and owners and everything else and uh like I said, empathy, being able to understand where other people are coming from, even if it's not your own story or your own struggle. I, I think, you know, we'd all be a little better off if, if more people were doing and that. Let me just say this real quick. I don't know how much of an impact this will have. I don't know what change we will see coming from this. But I do believe that a lot of people, and if you want to call it ignorant, I mean, a lot of people can't form their own opinions. They can't form, they can't come together with having their own beliefs. And they go with what they see online or people they look up to. So I feel like there might be some people that are fans of the Cowboys and they see what they did and maybe they change their views on things. And now they go with, okay, well, the Cowboys are supporting this. Let me support this or the guy I look up sorry the guy I look up to could be Jason Witten or Sean Lee like you were talking about now they're gonna go that route so it, it I feel like it might have even if it's a little impact it's still something and I'm glad they did what they did you know and and, and I wrote this in in my story last night that they they what they did more than anything was they they opened it up for everybody in their belief. If you really want us to kneel down, you get to kneel. If you want to stand, you get to stand for the national anthem. And if you're so upset with what's going on, you're you're upset with the leadership of our country, but you still respect the flag in our country enough that you want to stand and do both, you got to do both. You got to do both. You got to do everything best Monday night game ever because it gave them another day to figure out what, what they've done. Think about that. 30 things happened. 30 teams did it one way, and they, they just, okay, you have to be number 31. You have to be 31. You have to do something different than everyone else, and they did it, and they did it better than anyone else. And the fact that people didn't appreciate it, I think they're just being short-sighted or stubborn or ignorant maybe. And, and one of the things that, that kind of goes to that is I think there is a, uh, there's a word that I think is inherently important to democracy that has somehow become a bad word. And, and at this point, people are now not being reelected because they do it, and it's called compromise. There is no way you're going to bring groups of people with different backgrounds and different opinions together to create one government and to be able to effectively govern a people and make laws and those kinds of things unless there is compromise. And somehow that's become a dirty word. If you compromise, you're now giving in. There's not enough people willing to sit and talk to people with different opinions and listen and then be willing to say, I'm going to give a little bit, you're going to give a little bit, and we're going to find a middle ground here. And it sounds like from what we heard in the locker room, those 53 men were able to do that. They were able to sit and have discussions. And at times, from the way Jason Witten talked about it, at times it got heated. But the fact of the matter is they were willing to listen to one another and come to an agreement on what they wanted to do as a group, which is compromise. And that's the part that's, I think, missing so much about, you know, what's happening right now, just in our, in our society in general. And, and our fans that are listening that, you know, we're going to talk about the game. We but, but this was bigger than the game. It, it was. It was last night. It was bigger than the game. And I think that's why we spent maybe the whole first segment talking about it. Still will be bigger. Than it will be. Yeah. Absolutely. Hopefully going forward, more attention is paid to the overall issue that's here 
And and at some point, we find some resolution and, and we kind of get better as a society. That's what I'm yeah. hoping. All right, let's take our first break. When we come back, I do want to jump into the game. There's so much to talk about here. Cowboys get a win. That's a big, big, big deal, deal coming off oh, of last yeah. week's loss. So let's do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. People demand the best unlimited wireless plan ever from AT&T. What else do you want, a unicorn? Maybe. Only AT&T offers you unlimited data with HBO included and never pay overages. Get AT&T Unlimited Plus, our best wireless deal on unlimited data. Plus save $25 per month on DirecTV. It's entertainment your way. After 22 gigabytes of data usage, AT&T may slow speeds. Plan includes stream saver and videos will stream in standard definition unless you turn it off. $25 DirecTV savings requires AT&T Unlimited Plus. Credit start within three bills. Service prices subject to change. Other usage, speed, fees, charges, and restrictions apply. See att.com slash unlimited for details. Hey, Cowboys fans. Did you know that over the next few years, more than a million service members will transition from military to civilian life? Veterans face unique challenges when they get out of the military, and Bank of America and the Dallas Cowboys are teaming up to help with financial education, career opportunities, and support of military nonprofits and organizations locally in North Texas and across the country. We're proud to support our troops and are deeply grateful for the dedication and sacrifice of our service members and veterans. Bank of America, official bank of the Dallas Cowboys, invites you to join us in our efforts to get involved by tagging game day photos on social media using hashtag TroopThanks, that's hashtag TroopThanks, and by learning more about our commitment to veterans at bankofamerica.com slash military support. Together, we can thank our troops in ways that make a real difference. Copyright 2016, Bank of America Corporation. Bowling night with friends and you're hanging out together You picked up a spare but you're craving something better A thirst froze deep inside, you don't know what to do You crave a nice cold Dr. Pepper and a hero to save you Crave Rider You ride the wave of Dr. Pepper when you're craving Dr. Pepper Crave Rider When you crave a Dr. Pepper, nothing else will do Pick up an ice cold 20 ounce bottle today Dr. Pepper I hear all this talk about what it takes to be a cowboy. Everyone's got their ideas, but I just say to myself, it's what's up top that matters. Sure, you need men with the muscle and heart to get her done, but if your scouts and coaches are listening out there, a word of advice. Pick the man with the most well-worn Stetson. That's the one most cut out to be a cowboy. Stetson hats are handmade right here in Texas and have been on cowboys' heads for over 150 years. The rest of you can visit stetson.com cowboy to find a retailer nearest you back to the break welcome back we're in the second segment of the break live from the swbc mortgage studios we're talking cowboys and now we're going to talk cowboys versus cardinals cowboys get a win 28 17 on the road might be a first right there stick that? that we went a whole first segment after of a, a show after a win stick to sports hey no <laughs> i don't too think soon. that's gonna happen too, yeah. too soon i think it's gonna happen but you know here's kind of where i want to start with this because i know it was the case for me i assume it was the case for you guys you get through the first two series of the game for both teams and i'm thinking here we go again i i thought and i was actually thinking about what you talked about last week Dave, where you were like i'm more concerned that this is not just an isolated incident and i started to think is dave right here like is this team really not what we thought they were. And then things start to change. And by the end of the game, I'm back to, yes, that was an aberration, what we saw in Denver. This is a better team than Hey, before you say anything over there about slow start, (laughs) let me just tell you this. Dak was was 100% of his pass. 100%. Okay. His pass is one. One for one. 
I mean, you know, he, in the first ball didn't hit the ground in the first quarter. Nice. Hot start for him. <laughs> 13, uh, 12 out of 13 for Carson Palmer over yeah. there. But, uh, I, w- I was going to start the show off, but, and I loved that segment we just did, but thinking purely about the football game, my main takeaway was, like, as atrociously as that game started, they came out and won that game by double digits. Like, that's... That's amazing when you really think about how up the creek they were 20, 25 minutes into that game. I mean, the the play I, – I tweeted it out last night. The play disparity was like 28 to 6 at the end of the first quarter. It's like 150-something yards to 6. Like, it was atrocious. I mean, uh, and, you know, if not for a missed field goal, they're in another double-digit hole early. You might have to climb out of that. Your running game's not working. Who the hell knows what could happen? And then – you come out there and outscore them basically from the first drive of the game. You outscore them 28 to, what, uh, 10? Yeah. It's amazing. Amazing the way they were able to turn that around. Yeah. And I guess I shouldn't be surprised because they did that all last season, but with just with just the first two games to go on sample size, it certainly – I did not have a lot of confidence they were going to do it. Well, let's, let's, let's dive in a little deeper. I want to talk first about the defense. Um, the offense – uh, the, the the interesting stat, and I told you this in the press box, Nick, the offense scored uh, on, th- on four touchdowns that they had in the game. Three of them came in situations where they got the ball either in Arizona territory or at the 50-yard line, which to me is definitely about what the defense was doing. It was definitely about what your punter was doing, who I still believe is having a phenomenal year. He has a couple shanks here and there, but by and large, he's having a really, really great season and creating field position for this team in situations where they where they sorely need it. But you start looking at guys like Demarcus Lawrence and you start looking at guys like Malik Collins and how they're playing. And the question for you guys is, have the Cowboys finally, after many, many years of searching for it, finally found a pass rush that they really can hang their hat on? I, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Well, yeah, I think I think that they're getting there. They're getting there. And Lawrence is is healthier. He's leaner. Uh, you know, he's he's had a lot of injuries too. I mean, he's had he's had a little uh, setbacks there. Um, and and I think having that pass rush up the middle is gonna is helping. Let's not forget they're one game away from getting a pretty pissed off David Irving back into this thing. So now you're really starting figuring out. You know, they, they've got some things to work with. But I'll say one thing real quick. Anytime a defensive tackle can get two sacks, two tackles for loss, two hits on the quarterback, five total tackles, and you're not even close to the best player on your team. On your defense, on your I mean, on your defense, yeah. you kidding me? I mean, Demarcus Lawrence is kidding hit that me? line. <laughs> go I, ahead, go ahead, Dave. I just, well, I'm gonna. Did we just? No, no, I'm just. Okay. I, I you you circled on a tweet Demarcus Lawrence's stats. Yeah. So I figured you might be going down this road. I don't yeah. know. No, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do two things right here. I'm gonna I'm gonna contradict myself because all the stats you just said. Arizona carried 21 times for 49 yards, 2.3 yards per carry. I didn't even realize this. Their long run of the night was six yards. Yeah. I mean, have, and I want to see, I say I read a stat somewhere. There was probably, a percentage. You probably saw you, it from me. Yeah. Because I'm say that awesome at my job. You are awesome at your job. Uh, they had six sacks and 10 tackles for loss. Arizona ran 75 plays. 20% of them were stopped behind the line of scrimmage. So every fourth play they ran got tackled in the backfield between Sean Lee Demarcus Lawrence, Malik Collins, Tyrone Crawford. That's unbelievable. That was a Marcus Lawrence play. had six, ta- six. He, he he made six stops behind the line of scrimmage in the game. Three sacks and three tackles for loss. And then on top of that, hit the quarterback six times. 
I mean, not only do you have your three sacks, he had another sack called back. Yep. Probably could have maybe get a half sack on this one with Crawford. And it might still come. And he was it was called for holding that wiped out a touchdown for the Cardinals because they were holding him. And if he wouldn't have been so beastly on another play pushing his guy back this far, he would have got an interception, but he was so far up the field he didn't get to turn back. Having said best games I've ever seen. Having said all of this, I'm sorry. I that's a murderer's row of awful offensive lines that they've played to start the season. But let me ask you this question, and I and I know you can probably say is play the people that line up across from you. And you can probably make a similar argument about the New York Giants. However, when you look at the body of work between these first three games, oh, that's I guess he has been he has been. This is not just a guy. To me, this is not just a guy where you can say sometimes guys have these amazing seasons because it's in a contract year. I don't care who you are. There have only been three, count it, three in the history of the NFL that have had this hot a start getting sacks against the opposing team's quarterback. He's on pace to like nearly double the single season sack record. Obviously, that's he's going to fall off. He's not going to, he can't do this over 16 games. I thought he would have fallen off after week one and sure. week two. I, and you're absolutely right. Like I said, all you can do is play the opponent that you're given. Yeah. But between the Giants, Broncos, and Arizona missing two of its five starters, that's a hell of a way to kickstart your season. These are not great units. Hopefully, it gives you a ton of confidence and kind of gets you humming. You know, people, you know, once you get sacks, they come in bunches. That's what mm-hmm. people love to say. Well, you got them right now. And, you know, I honestly, up until probably Washington, which is all the way at Halloween, the Rams and the Packers are probably better than the Cardinals, but like they're not, not, it ain't the Raiders and it ain't, you know, the Cowboys. So yeah, like I want to see him do it against some better teams, but objectively against NFL competition, this is amazing. It's unbelievable. And the thing I like about what you're seeing from, from Lawrence right now is, and this is, this used to be even a criticism of DeMarcus where um, he would get sacks in a game and people would be like, well, he didn't, he wasn't getting any pressure in sack when, when the game was on the line, when they needed the sack the most, it seems like here in the third and fourth quarter, when it's like the other team is trying to get into games, that's when he seems to be at his you, best. That's when he's getting the talking. most pressure, right? You you keep talking, and I'll I'm gonna. You're gonna pull up some numbers yeah, for I'm me on that. Pull up some numbers. And I don't know. I haven't looked at the numbers. That's just the way I'm going by by Amber's looksy test. Like that's the way it feels to me. Is that when the game is most in need of a sack, most in need of a defensive play, seems like that's when DeMarcus Lawrence is showing up and making a play for them. It's very similar to, to what I think David Irvin was doing last year. It was like in those critical moments was when he showed up the most. Right. I think that's what I'm seeing right now from DeMarcus Lawrence. Is that accurate yeah. statistically? It, Dave. It feels that way. <laughs> still reading. Still all, I know, all I know is I'm very excited right now. This was one of my main concerns since the moment I got here to the Dallas Cowboys and became a fan of the Dallas Cowboys. I had a big issue with their pass rush. And as it stands right now, I'm very excited to where it's headed, especially because I believe something like that is very contagious to all those other guys around him and next to him. And I expect tackle Charlton to step up his game and kind of pick that up and all of those guys doing a great job there and again the secondary I'm still not feeling good about them but like I said last week I thought something that was going to be big for them is for the defensive line to be able to kind of take off that pressure of those guys back there in the field the secondary guys 
And eventually, hopefully a few more weeks, those rookies are going to be able to get more into the game and step up their game as well as the veterans like Byron Jones and Jeff Heath, who we are still waiting for something to happen there. But once they pick up their game, I think the this defense can be pretty good. They sacked him on three of their final four possessions to close the game. There it is right there. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to rebut that, and I'm not all right. careful because then she'll go well, to the Well, she's going to go talk to Jeff Heath. And, yeah. yeah. Um, I, the stats, Don't provoke me. <laughs> I will go to the locker room. The stats are going to tell you that the secondary wasn't great, and they, they weren't great. They weren't, they weren't Denver, but they gave up 325 passing yards on 50 attempts. Uh, finished, allowed 17 points, denied the Cardinals scoring a touchdown on that last, you know, ultimately meaningless possession right before the final kneel down. All things considered and knowing what we know about the secondary, i.e. two of your starters aren't there, you're leaning on rookies like Xavier Woods and Jordan Lewis, Jeff Heath is starting his third game at safety. I didn't think they were bad. No, they did good, but again, I think it comes from how well the defensive line did. Let me me ask this, though. I agree with that. Isolate this for me because I do think as a group I kind of agree with you, but I do think if you isolate it to specific players – and we go down the list. Now, obviously, there were rookies that showed up, and probably this goes to Nick's argument of grading on the curve, right? You probably saw some of those rookies play above what you thought they could. But I also heard a lot of grumbling in the press box about Byron Jones. So talk to me specifically about different guys in the secondary and how they performed yesterday. You know, Byron Jones, I thought, had had a a rough night for – three and a half quarters he did play better he, he made a few plays there on the ball in the fourth quarter you can do it a little bit more when you know that they're going to pass and the pass rush is is getting there and so I do think it was like she said a product of the pass rush um I I'm not sure that he's fully comfortable playing safety back there playing that center field I just don't think he's got a great grasp of it just yet and 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 him and Heath are still kind of learning on the run so they're, as I said yesterday on Twitter, man, it's, there's nothing really safe about that position right now because those are the guys you wanted to count on. Jordan Lewis, I'm not grading him as a rookie. I'm grading him as just number 27 out there, and that guy's making plays. Yeah, kind of fearless too. Yeah, I, I actually, I, uh, I had a short chat with him in the locker room last night, and I was like, look, because <laughs> he's short and I'm short. Yeah, that's good. I didn't say that. Um. <laughs> We amuse ourselves with such silly things, don't we? I know. I, I went up, actually, well, I'll just go ahead and continue the puns because I went up to him and I was like, look, man, I'm not trying to sell you short. Like, I know that you were a big time player at Michigan. I know you've done this a lot, but it's got to be kind of weird to like look, run, jog out there and look across the line and see Larry Fitzgerald, right? And he was like, oh my God, like it was so surreal. Like, I mean, you know, you're in the game and you're trying to focus as much as you can, but but that's Larry Fitzgerald, you right. know what I mean? And, you know, with all that stuff in mind, knowing we talked all last week about how they're a big play offense and they're going to try to hit deep balls, I thought he was awesome. I thought, you know, I went back and watched some tape with Brian brought us this morning. Xavier Woods didn't play a perfect game, but I thought he was awesome too. Like, Remember, they, the guy's playing out of position. I, he's playing out of position. Like, he's playing out of position. Yeah. Yeah. He's, they tackled well. They were all over the field. Jordan almost uh, got Kayvon Frazier an interception. I mean, he was it was a quarter of an inch away. That was a huge play. Yeah. That, that tip ball. Yeah. Um, and, he, you know, I'll – 
I, yeah, maybe Byron a little bit. I, the safeties weren't great, but I'll even I'll give them a little bit of credit just because you know I talked to Orlando Skandrick on the plane last night too, and he was he, he's saying he was you in know a good mood. he was in a great mood. Which hey, <laughs> Dave, get, write good about me. Make sure you write good yeah, about right. me. Um, what he said? Yeah. He did saying, you correct him? No, I did not. You didn't correct him. I did not say well, well, Orlando. <laughs> um. <laughs> I you know for for their third game playing together I I'll I'm, I'll allow it I it didn't wind up counting which Skandrick took accountability for which I thought was really funny Jeff Heath diagnosed that deep ball to I don't even remember which receiver it was broke across the field made the read and went up like how often have we been lamenting for safeties to make those type of plays in this yep. defense he did it he didn't catch it play didn't count anyway but. He did it. He 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 put himself in position. I just I saw a lot of positives from a unit w- comprised of rookies and first year starters. Yep. I really and like I said, the stats will tell you that the Cardinals threw for 325 yards. I think a lot of that's hollow when you consider they couldn't run the ball. They were trailing, you know, from halftime onward. Um and and you know what? One of those plays was the catch of the year by Larry Fitzgerald. It was a and and at some point, I think you got to tip your hat to a guy like Larry Fitzgerald too. He's more often than not, he's going to get his yards, especially when he's playing a depleted secondary like this. All that stuff considered, I I thought they were pretty good. Like I'm not sitting here, I'm not saying they're the Legion of Boom, but I'm not sitting here thinking they're terrible after this game either. And I will say this: if they're playing like this right now in Week Three, the hope, exactly, at least if you're a Cowboys fan, yeah. is that yeah. and that's by Week 12, 13. Uh, they really are working with something. And you have to right now, again, this is very, very early, but you have to right now feel really good about the prospect of where this can go long-term. These guys turn out to be players. You've now turned over your secondary in one season. And that's that's, that's a lot to hope for. It, it, it's a lot to get there. But at least you have a little more hope today than maybe you had last week. And that's, you know, it goes, I say this all over and over and over again. My, my thought of, you know, fans think of players like Madden guys where it's just kind of, it's mechanical and it's out there and there's no human element to it. That's not how it works. And Skandrick illustrated that for me perfectly last night. He was like, look, it's, it's me and Jeff's third game where we're really playing together out there for 50, 60 snaps at a time, really second for Orlando since he had, was out last week. That stuff comes in time. You learn how to, you know, you know, your teammates tendencies, you know that you can count on them. You know what they're going to do in this coverage. You know how this is going to look. So um, I think there's a lot to build on here, and I would I feel confident it will improve as the season goes along, especially with these young guys. All right, let's take our final break. When we come back, we'll do another first here. We managed to get Dak. through two. Yeah, we managed to, to get through name. two actual segments without mentioning the quarterback or the running back for that matter. Deep. So we'll do that when we come right back. We'll get to those guys. We'll talk a little bit about what they did yesterday. We'll be right back. This is the break. Switzer. To work this big land, you need equipment with values rooted as deep in Texas soil as you are. Like John Deere compact tractors with a six-year powertrain warranty and big features that help you work less so you have more time to do what you love. John Deere was first in the Texas fields and we're proud to be on the field as the official ag and turf equipment of the Dallas Cowboys. Find Texas-sized deals at myjohndeerdealer.com slash football. Terms, conditions, exclusions, and warranty limitations apply. See dealer for details. We, the entertainment-loving people, demand the best unlimited wireless plan ever from AT&T. What else do you want, a unicorn? 
Maybe. Only AT&T offers you unlimited data with HBO included and never pay overages. Get AT&T Unlimited Plus, our best wireless deal on unlimited data. Plus save $25 per month on DirecTV. It's entertainment your way. After 22 gigabytes of data usage, AT&T may slow speeds. Plan includes stream saver and videos will stream in standard definition unless you turn it off. $25 DirecTV savings requires AT&T Unlimited Plus. Credits start within three bills. Service prices subject to change. Other usage, speed, fees, charges, and restrictions apply. See att.com slash unlimited for details. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel Will McClay and, of course, with yours truly, me, Brian Broaddus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Back to the break. Dave, take it away. There we go. I was wondering where you were. Hey, Derek, Tommy John gives you the feeling of freedom where it counts with Mm. a contour pouch that... I'm not going to say that phrase. Uh, Tommy John is really comfortable underwear. I think it's awesome. Um, If it was week three, I'd say it's a cardinal rule that you go get some Tommy John underwear. But we're on a week four, so I'm really just going to ram this message home that uh, you should invest in some Tommy John underwear. I'm glad we're not playing Green Bay. (laughs) (laughs) TommyJohn.com forward slash Cowboys, 20% off your order. It's the best underwear you'll buy or your money's back guaranteed Crazy, yeah i w- i want i wish i want backers you would have had yeah, cowboy stop, fans stop, that stop. break listeners tweet me email me whatever i want to know how many people we've convinced to buy this underwear they should like honestly and you know sometimes sometimes you have certain things that you kind of have to push and yeah kind of like hey, oh, okay this is oh. but they actually took they actually <laughs> took care of us like before we started this and just kind of gave us some product to test out and I swear, every every guy in the office that tried it was oh, like, it's great, it's great, pretty but good stuff." Just just because I legitimately mean it's great, I wouldn't talk about it as right. much as I do if it wasn't. But that doesn't mean anybody's going to listen to us and go buy it. So That's I'd, true. I'd be curious. Holler at me. Underwear if you have not tried first, it, try it. Then Des and Dak and Z. Yeah, <laughs> got the important stuff out oh. of the way. Have you? You don't ever remember us doing a show. We've done shows for a long time. No, and, and you they, know what? I sorry. I think it's really fitting that we haven't talked about them today. I agree. Point. I don't. Like, I wouldn't have done it. Speaking of fitting, way, Tommy John. Yeah, is right. The most comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't have done it any other way. And, and to be honest with you, I actually was going to ask you guys this question earlier. Have we now seen two of the three games where, and there were only two wins, but where the defense was more impressive than the offense? Can you make that claim about yesterday's game? Yes. Easy. I mean, the. I don't think they were more impressive. I really don't. No. I Yesterday think it, or, or week one. You know what? I don't mean to get, to get deep on this again, but they started out as a group. They locked arms. They started out and they they played together. They they won together. They won. They needed each other. That defense was struggling a little bit early too. The defense had some issues when the offense picked it up. You know, one of my, you know my favorite play in the history of the Dallas Cowboys is as a fan was the favorite play all time. Tony Dorsett? No, no. I was six years old then. Woody Dantzler. That's one of my favorites. It's up there. Yep. But but seriously, one of my favorite plays ever is the 1992 NFC Championship game. Cowboys have this game in, under control. Oh, the yeah. Niners score, four minutes to go. Candlestick Park. The crowd's going crazy. They got Emmett Smith. They're up by four. What are you going to do? You're going to give it to Emmett, and you're going to try to get, you know, get a first down or two. No. 
We're throwing to Alvin Harper on a slant, 75 yards. Wasn't meant for him, though. Down, wasn't meant for him, whatever. <laughs> 75 yards, down to the nine. They score, they put the game away. They say, take that. Six minutes to go, crowd on its feet. We got this thing. It's a four-point game. Crowd? The Cowboys crowd? Well, it, it, the we'll crowd's up there. And they give and they fake it to Zeke. Dak goes, slings it to Bryce. Yes. You know, that was a th- that's just like, you know what? Take this. I'm going to throw it. I'm not even going to set my feet. I'm just going to throw it, like Randy Moss would say. Throw it. And I, I just thought that was an amazing answer in a play and, and to say, we're going to move the ball and we're going to strike here. And I, and I thought the offense responded when it was time for them to respond. So maybe the defense was a little, little more impressive at times, but I thought the offense really carried them as well. I thought the offense was just gutty. We gave them a lot of credit for sticking with the run and just powering through against the Giants. This was even worse. I mean, this and I, I haven't graded the tape, but man, if this O line didn't look bad to start this thing out, I mean, Tyron Smith got beat easily by Chandler Jones on a on a sack. Lyle Collins had his struggles. Chaz Green had his struggles. Travis Frederick looked like he got pancaked at least once in there somewhere. I the only guy that I'm not a hundred percent sure did something wrong was Zach. And even if I went back and watched, maybe he did. It was bad, and they just stuck with it. They didn't, you know, defense helped them stay in it. They didn't fall behind like they did last week, so they could keep doing it. And then, sure enough, fourth quarter comes around. Zeke's getting, you know, four, five, five, six, four, three, four, eight yard touchdown. Like that's that's the beauty of it. If you can do that, you just wear people down, and they don't want it anymore by the fourth quarter. And Dak, it's, I mean, you know, the the two throws to Bryce were stupid. I mean, it's it's, and I mean that in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's so dumb how much better Dak looks when he's running around with his head cut off and just kind of does that, like not setting his feet. And then, you know, Bryce Butler will drop a slant over the middle, but he goes up and gets that thing. Um, but they they were they were a compliment at best. I mean, when you complete 13 yards and and or 13 passes in an NFL game, I mean, that's insane when you think about how pass-happy this league is. Witten, Beasley, Dez combined four catches, you know, to win a game like that. And we all... We all like Bryce in different ways, different levels. You know, we're all fans of Bryce on the show, but I think that he, and we talked. Now we were a little bit ruthless, and you, you know, we talked about like he could be cut, and why, why not be? You know, why? Yeah. Why is he no, safe? That's, that's totally fair. And had some drops, had an ankle injury all week. Come out, and I mean, the throws were okay, but the catches and the plays he made were, were even better. Proud of him for coming back and, and, and making making that play. Um, two plays like that. I thought that that was amazing. But this team is so much better. This offense is so much better when the quarterback's legs are involved. Yes. That play where he runs in for the touchdown, that was the beginning of it. Actually, it was a play before that when they did a boot to bring him out to the outside and he threw on the run. Last year, if we remember, that was when the offense was at its best is when they were moving him around, giving him opportunities to throw on the run, allowing him to run some, some balls as well. Like That's when this offense – is so dynamic because now you're not just worried about the guy in the backfield that's the running back that's going to get the ball. You also have to consider the fact that just because it's a running play doesn't mean he's going to be the one doing it. And you have to account for the fact that just because the quarterback takes off running doesn't mean he's actually going to run the ball. It means he's just getting space and time so that he can actually throw. It's a lot of stuff you got to deal with. And zero catches for it's, J.J. Nelson. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize he had zero catches. He did have the near – I mean, he had the near circus catch, but yeah, he one where Arians pretty amazing. Challenged. He's been their best offensive player 
before yeah. this game going into the game. Six out of seven games going last year was a touchdown. Yeah. They didn't get a catch. Yeah, this is not related to J.J. Nelson. I'm sorry, but you asked me about this because I ranked. I oh, ranked, yeah. Well, I ranked Dez's touchdowns a couple summers ago, and, like, I don't have time to go back and redo the whole thing. But much like the – I think if you asked me for my personal favorite Dez Bryant touchdown, and people kind of look at me funny when I say this, but I always say the Jacksonville crossing route. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable! It just turbo button R two showcases yep. everything R two whatever. <laughs> but on a on a it it wasn't you know it wasn't a full field touchdown. But on a much smaller scale, this touchdown should be right up there with any of them because it showcases exactly what he's about. He yeah. got the ball. He wasn't in coverage on Peterson when he got it, but he juked the hell out of Patrick Peterson. Got around one of the best cornerbacks in the league. And then just you stop me. Took him along for the ride. Just get off me, B. To quote Nick, just like (laughs) you're not GOMB. You're not keeping me out of this. Wait a second, I thought this was Travis Frederick's first career touchdown. Why are we not giving? (laughs) Well, Des said in the locker room after the game, he was like, "Yeah, I went back and watched it. I just finished watching it." And I noticed I got a little help, so I had to go over there and tell him thank you because it was. Frederick just came and just, like, blasted him into the – got that last little um, yard or whatever it was. Hey, Big Beard, um, Des has been dealing with a back injury for, like, the last two or three years, so let's – Please <laughs> don't slam your 320-pound weight. In- I, I, I actually – and and Arkansas, my team, actually won a game against TCU last year because of this, but I hate that rule. Yeah. I don't think that should be fair at all. The play's pretty much stopped, and now it just comes down to whose linemen are fatter than the others. You can just push Whoa. the guy forward. Don't don't undersell Reggie Bush like that. Un, well, either way, but I'm just saying, lineman. when the defense piles on, you get to the two, the defense piles on and pushes you back to the six, you're back at the two. But you get stopped at the two, and your offensive lineman just pushes you into the end zone. Like, I, this doesn't make sense to me. Uh, maybe it doesn't. But I don't know how you, you police it. I, I don't have a problem I just, with it. I, I love it. It's just sheer force. It is. It's fun to watch. Teammates and. It wasn't. This game to me was not a good game. But <laughs> no, hold on. But there were a lot of impressive plays. And I was laughing at myself, just thinking about Jason Garrett. You know, they did what. He says a lot. They went out there and crawl, scratched, bit, pushed. Oh, you sound just punched. Like that. All that stuff. They, uh, they really did all that. I, <laughs> Jason Garrett. He says something like that. He says Jason like, Garrett crawl, scratch, bit. No, no, but <laughs> you and me. No, it it was um really. <laughs> Really good to see them compared to the other games, especially last week compared to last week. It was good to see them coming back in the second half. And not just Dak, but a lot of a lot of players, like a lot of them made plays that we didn't think were going to happen and impressed everyone. You know, I, we do those five plays not to forget about. I thought Terrence Williams' catch in the first drive of the third quarter was really big because it was – I think it was twenty-two yarder, and but it, but what it did was got him from the twenty-yard line out to midfield. Now they ended up having to punt, but when they what Chris Jones did his work down to the five-yard line, that they ended up punting back to Switzer, who did his. You know, then then they started at the forty-five. That catch at twenty-two yards just flipped the field position and got them to be aggressive. And the next thing you know, when they got it back, they drove in for a touchdown. So that play was, and it was a great catch. You had to kind of dive for it, and you know, wasn't wasn't the best throw. So you know, it's it's plays like that 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 you know if when it's a field position game you just need to get out 
to midfield a little bit. He, he, Are he you going to nice talk job. about Switzer? I, I'm really impressed with him. And I think when you have a real punt returner, a real punt returner, and I almost said this, there's a couple of times I wish I would have tweeted something and I, it would have made me look a little bit smarter. But, but I said, I think I told you this afterwards. Yeah, you can put Patrick Peterson at midfield. You can be scared of him and all that. But put him back at the 10-yard line, and and let's see how comfortable he really is. Let's see how comfortable he is catching the ball. Because those guys are, are good when it's just an easy punt, and you go, they get outkick the coverage. But does he really want to catch it down on the 10 when the ball's kind of, you know, it's a little, it's a, it's a left-footed punt. He's not used to that, I'm sure. And all of a sudden, does he want to get it? He just stays away from it, bounces down to the 2. So that when you have a real punt returner like Switzer, that that's what he does, you see a big difference. Not afraid to catch it, not afraid to get hit, not afraid to go north all the time. He's going to break one for a touchdown in the next it's couple coming. of weeks. Yeah. That's guaranteed we'll score a touchdown. And, and he's making some big plays. He's had another nice return. I think that is a huge difference in hidden yardage. Go up and catch it, get five or six yards, other than let it roll 20 yards this way. I, in both of their wins, I don't think you can undersell the importance of special teams. Just, I agree. Pinning the opponent deep every chance you get. Chris Jones had four of his punts inside the twenty. I don't know off the top of my head, but I guarantee you he had multiple punts down inside the twenty in the other two games as well. There's another guy we need to talk about too on special teams, and that's Frazier. That's what I was just about uh, to sorry. Say. No, good, good. Go ahead. Kayvon Frazier. He's he's you know he's not. If, if Heath is going to take more of a role like he is, and Heath's still playing special teams, but Frazier is now being that guy, going down there, not getting blocked, kind of being that missile, just going down there, hitting people. Maybe not the best choice of words right now, but but I think that, that Frazier is actually playing really well on special teams and playing defense too. But but you need that guy. You need that, the guy that's fearless on, on running down on punts and kickoffs. Let's take a phone call. We got a call from Reggie in Germany. Reggie, what up, man? Hey, what's up, Derek? What's up, Nick? What's up, Dave? Hey, thanks for the call. Hey, what's up? Amber here. Hey, I got a mad crush on you, Amber. Uh Uh-oh. But that's another story. Thank you. (laughs) Listen, I just wanted to say I wanted to get um, how proud I am of the team and how they handled that whole um, pregame situation. Um, You know, one of the things that that you didn't address is that, um, that whole action actually gave everybody on the team the ability, no matter what their opinion was, to support their fellow teammates and what their opinion was. If they wanted to kneel, those that wanted to stand could show their support for the ones that wanted to kneel. Those that wanted to stand, those that wanted to kneel could show their support for their teammates that wanted to stand. And I think that action was just great. Jerry was a genius, and the team was great for coming up with that idea. And I just want to say kudos to Dallas Cowboys. All right, thanks for the call. Um, one other thing oh. I want to talk about as far as football uh-huh. is um, I think that Chris Jones is like the unsung hero of this game. I think that he played a major role in keeping um, the Cardinals pinned down in their own field, in their own end of the field, and um, they couldn't flip the field on us, and that was crucial. Okay, so I just want to let you guys yeah. know that. Amber, now you know. Okay, <laughs> I'm out. All right. All right, thanks for the Thank call. Thank you. you know. I'll feed us in. Ah, uh, Alfiedersen. Uh, he said he's calling from Germany, right? Ah, uh, ah, you're speaking German. Deutschland. Uh-huh. Gosh. That, no, that's. Right. I don't know if he. Uh, I don't know if he actually was listening to the first part of the show. I don't know when you're on hold if maybe you, he heard that because we did talk about some of those things that he yeah, mentioned, yeah. you know, Chris Jones, and also the ability that the, the, the what the players were able to do. But, but um, that's okay. Yeah, no, yeah. he's from Germany. I mean, hope, yeah, hope he went on hold that <laughs> the whole time. No, I don't think so. I think it just came up. Awesome. All right, give me a question from Twitter. 
Um, some questions about more. How do you guys feel about him? Does he keep Andre. playing over? Huh? I was about to say that too. I was like, Kellen Moore? Yeah. No. Andre. Okay. About two, two steps away from getting a sack of his own. Played okay. Yeah. He hit Carson Palmer for a tackle for two yard gain that nearly was. Right, yeah. I thought I thought he was okay. I mean, Does he keep playing over Tapper? If I mean, if somebody's gonna sit for Tapper, it, it should probably be. Taco. You know what? Actually, I want to save that conversation because I do think that's a bigger conversation than the time we have left. Oh, boy. Just talking about Tapper and Taco and what they're doing there and, and who's active and who's not and if mind they change. That, I think that's a, a conversation oh, that needs a little more time. set up to change again yeah. in seven days. Exactly days. right. This is all – This is all, and we talked about this, and, and we, we mentioned during training camp that these things tend to work themselves out. Yeah. You know, injury here, injury there. Don't say it. It hasn't, Don't it hasn't happened. I'm not going to wood, and I'm not certainly asking for that, but I am saying that you got a week to figure this out. You already got one decision you had to make. Now you got another week uh, before you have to make a bigger decision, not only about a guy that now needs to be on the roster – but also, what are you going to do with game day inactive, right? right. And, and, you know, they, they're a little bit short in linebacker, linebacker numbers right now, especially on game day. And Hitchens is, is going to come back here at some point, yep. um, probably before the bye, but, but maybe after the bye. But but they're not really – it's not like there's a linebacker that's that's going to just take his place and be be off the field. I mean, maybe it's Durant, but I don't I don't know. And so, Does he come back and get his starting job? And that's at the at the risk of us saying that with a minute left in the show. I was say why? Let's why are you trying to do these conversations <laughs> with a good time problem to have? It is a good it problem is, to have. You can't have well. too many good players, and and you know how it goes. The the longer you go in a season, the more injuries are just a part of the yeah. game. So it's good to have those. But I think that is a conversation that we're going to need to have. And as a matter of fact, we will have that conversation hey, tomorrow when we start just getting set the show up for you. Hey, one, we got to talk about one guy real quick. I'll let Dave talk about him. One catch, thirteen yards. Noah Brown. Hey. It was a big play in the game, too. That that helped him get a touchdown. I thought it was Dez. Dez, yeah. I, every time they line up, I, I think it's Dez. Dez. Yeah. I thought it was Noah Brown trying to score from the one-yard line there, pushing it. I mean, do it, I hear do I hear some converts coming aboard Noah's Ark right well, now? Well, there were no converts. <laughs> we all agreed that Noah Brown was a good player, right? Uh, uh, I, I kind of the other day. Really? Like, because I, I didn't know why they had to keep everybody active. Now, with Bryce and Terrence Hurt, that I realized that. And they're going to have to do that at some point. They're going to have to sit one. They can't do six receivers all the time. If yeah. everybody's completely healthy. I would imagine, I mean, I would imagine if these, if Terrence and Bryce keep getting better, he'll go back to sitting if I had but, to guess. But not just, he had a nice catch. Don't get me wrong, but they clearly trust him in the blocking they game. They trust him as a yes. blocker. And he Absolutely. looked like he did a decent job of it too. So I'm, I'm pumped for the kid. Yeah. All right. We appreciate you guys joining us. We're back tomorrow. We'll be at our normal time tomorrow, 930 a.m. Central. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Amber Garcia, Dave Hellman, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio.